Hi, welcome to Bolt for Life. I am Garrett Bolt, actor, personal trainer, former powerlifter, pro wrestler, and chronic pain thriver. Bolt for Life is a podcast about living with the challenges of chronic pain. Our goal is to acknowledge, inspire, and relate to people living with chronic pain. I believe it is not only possible to survive, but to live a full life and thrive with chronic pain. No matter where you are in your journey, our mission is to give you the information and inspiration that will help you become Bolt for Life. Today on the Bolt for Life podcast, we have Kayla Riley. She's a therapist here in North Carolina. She's the owner of Evolution Wellness. She's awesome. We had a great time. She's a lot of fun, and she gave us a lot of great information. We talked about a lot of different things, the psychological part of living with chronic pain and certain things that we can do. She also talked about how to be well with chronic pain and how to have a relationship with the people that you love when you suffer from chronic pain. So if you're seeing a therapist or you're considering seeing a therapist, or maybe you have reservations about seeing a therapist at all, Kayla has a lot of great information about what therapy is and how you can find someone that could help you. Ready, Brian? Ready, Kayla? No. Okay. Yes, no. (laughs) Well, today I'm sitting here with Kayla Riley. She's a therapist in North Carolina at Evolution Wellness. Hey, Kayla, how's it going? Hey, Garrett. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming by the Bolt for Life podcast. Absolutely. Really glad to have you on today. And in full disclosure, um, Beth and I see Kayla, and she's been awesome helping us. I want to thank you for that. Absolutely. I have a lot of fun with you, too. Yeah. You've really come... uh, a long way with everything that you're struggling with. I mean, chronic pain is, as Beth likes to say, the third person in a marriage sometimes. So um, having that battle within a family can be really hard. So what you guys have done with it, it's been quite amazing, actually. Oh, thank you. And thank you for your help. You know, just being able to open up some communication much better, you know. Um, can you tell us a little bit about you and how did you get to evolution? little bit about me. So I've kind of dedicated my career to relationships because I think that that's really like the meat and potatoes of people's lives is relationships. So I was practicing out of this little room in someone's office, just renting office space, you know, doing my thing. And I ended up taking a yoga class down the street and passing by a empty place empty office space for rent and I swung in there because I always had the dream of opening my own jam and I ended up opening up uh, with the idea of doing a wellness center but eventually it just kind of evolved hence the name Mm. into just a counseling center which is really cool because that seemed to be what the need was for here in Wilmington therapists are cool you know everybody's doing it everybody's doing it and if you're not doing it do it Yeah. And, you know, for some people that are hesitant to get into therapy, uh, what would you suggest to them? So reaching out to a therapist sucks. Mm. And I think just being open and honest about that and for everyone to just be comfortable saying that first phone call is horrible. And you people who are looking for a therapist aren't like, yeah, I want a therapist. This is great. (laughs) Right. Like you're reaching out because you're suffering, you're hurting, you're struggling in your marriage, you're struggling with anxiety, depression, whatever it might look like. So that first call can really be uncomfortable. A lot of times uh, practices nowadays have online portals where instead of calling in, maybe your anxiety is preventing you from making that initial phone call. Skip it. Get right online. Hop on there. Schedule yourself an appointment. Uh, That seems to lower a lot of people's anxiety. But if you are able to and willing to call and talk to some therapists, usually the best way to shop for a therapist is to call like two or three. So for example, you could use psychology today 
which is a really cool search engine, I guess, mm. for therapists. It's like a catalog of therapists. Mm-hmm. And if you pick three and you call them and interview them, whichever one you feel most comfortable with, you're like, oh, yeah, he's cool. Or, oh, she makes me really uncomfortable. Or this was really awkward, right? Go with the one that makes you feel most comfortable. The chances are um, that'd probably be the best fit for you. It's all about the relationship. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and I have to admit, we had a little bit of a cheat sheet because a uh, best best friend up in New Jersey <laughs> is a therapist. So we were like, we want to see somebody. And we came to you when my pain got worse last summer. And, you know, I've since had another back surgery. But we realized like, wow, you know, we were kind of like on this good roll, like things were really rolling. And then now everything got turned upside down again. So we asked our friend and we said, well, who do you suggest? She's like, let me look around. And she found you. She's like, yeah, go to her. She probably yeah. did exactly what I just said. She <laughs> exactly. probably hopped on psychology yeah. today, kind of looked for whose specialty is what, mm-hmm. and kind of looked for language that jived with what she knew of you guys' personality. Right. She did good, too. Oh, I agree. Totally. Awesome <laughs> yeah. We and have conquered the marriage world, I think. Your place is awesome. And it's really cool. And it's above one of our favorite uh, food co-ops that we can, you know, go down there and shop or shop afterwards and there's a beautiful yoga studio next door isn't that great i feel like people can like come get your therapy go to yoga get super zen stop downstairs get yourself a little smoothie maybe stop by the bread store next door get a loaf of bread and go home you're like a whole new person how about it and you know just while we're on that subject how do you feel about those things adding to mental health, like the yoga, exercise, and the food part of it? What are your thoughts? Oh, I think that's why my spot's so killer is because it's just a center of wellness and awesome vibes at that center because I think that everyone there is providing something to the community that's so important. You and Beth on the podcast that you guys recorded together mm-hmm. on your episode, we're talking about diet. Diet's huge, huge. If you eat like crap, you're going to feel like crap. Right. So the fact that downstairs is this co-op with this wonderful produce and they did you know they have a chocolatier down there? I did not know that. What? So <laughs> we'll vegan fudge, that like that's a thing. <laughs> vegan fudge. It's wow. amazing. It's going to change your life, Garrett. That's I have a awesome. Feeling. And our producer Brian is a, a vegetarian also. So oh, very cool. Well, hey, Brian. Yeah. Vegan fudge after this. Let's all go. Uh, vegan fudge party. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, next to our yoga, I think yoga is really huge because Something that I heard the other day in a yoga class, which is really powerful, is even if you show up and you lay in Shavasana the whole time, you're doing something more Mm -hmm. than what you would have done. So there was this, I don't know, the the yoga instructor of all yoga instructors, Kristen Cooper. She's the founder of Wilmington Mm -hmm. Yoga Center. Amazing. Life-changing. If you ever get a chance to take her class on Fridays at 3.30 at Wilmington Yoga Center. She said that it's so inspiring when she saw this guy. He had chronic pain from an injury. Mm -hmm. He would show up and just for months, every Friday, it didn't matter. He just showed up and laid down the whole hour. And then after like two or three months, he started doing some of the poses really slowly. And eventually he got to the place where he could do the whole class and it was really inspiring for her. So just to hear that story was like, okay, just show up on the mat, even when you're really tired and grumpy and whatever, feeling hurt, chronic pain, whatever might be happening for you, just show up on the mat. I think that's powerful. It's so awesome. When I was personal training, I would talk with my clients. We call it practicing to go to the gym. Like on even the worst day, I've practiced the habit of going to the gym, you know, and uh, I call some of those my something's better than nothing day. (laughs) I told uh, one of my clients this week, I said, all I want you to do is get in your gym outfit, walk into the gym, look at it, and then walk out. 
and just that's go home. Awesome. That's and awesome. And that's what she's working on this week <laughs> is just showing up. You know, anxiety can prevent you from getting in there and exposing yourself and sweating in front of everybody else. It's really uncomfortable experience. But just like you said, just show up. Yeah. And you can honor yourself and think better thoughts, which makes you feel better, which makes you more motivated. And that's so tied into chronic pain. Mm. We think about chronic pain. When people say those words, chronic pain, like what is that? They classify chronic pain as any painful experience you have for three months or longer. Okay. Well, if we think about it in that capacity, then anyone just with like migraines, arthritis, diabetes, like any of these very, very common struggles can be classified as you're suffering from some kind of chronic pain, right? Yeah, absolutely. So in the mental health field, we consider it a mental illness. Mm. So many people think of chronic pain as something happening in the body, but just as much as it's impacting your body, it's impacting your mind, it's impacting the way that you think. So, you know, tapping into creativity can be a powerful, um, I guess, personal psychotherapy. What are you writing? Mm -hmm. What kind of creative outlets do you have? Are you learning an instrument? Are you learning to paint by numbers? Like a lot of that stuff can be catered to doing it in a way where you can still lay in bed and still honor the position your body has to be in. Absolutely. Or the limited mobility that you might have to have that day. Mm -hmm. Like a hobby or an interest or something that... Yeah, so have you ever heard of flow? There's psychology and psychology was birthed from studying people who were not well, who did not feel good. Okay. Well, recently, I think in the past decade or so, there's this whole emergence, this whole wave of what they call positive psychology. So it's psychologists or therapists who are studying people who are well. Oh, cool. And they're like, what what makes them well, right? Mm So there's this whole book. I'm spacing on the name of the book now, but I'll have Garrett put it in the show notes for you guys. Will do. Yeah. (laughs) Send the link to you in the email. It's a whole idea of, it's called flow. When you work out, have you ever worked out and you like lose track of time? Oh, totally. And you're like, oh gosh, I have to leave in 30 minutes. But then you're really enjoying yourself and you lose time and you lose thought. And all of a sudden it's like three hours. You're like, holy crap, I'm late to pick my kid up. And me and my wife are about to have to go see Kayla because we're going to (laughs) get... I don't want to be late. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. But there's this whole like idea of flow. And sometimes... People call it like runner's high or being in the zone, that being kind of in thing. the zone yeah. or even like being at home sometimes when people like, I know for me, this is like big nerd, big <laughs> calling myself out. <laughs> nerd, nerd alert, time. nerd alert, nerd alert. <laughs> um, like I'll get lost in reorganizing my filing cabinet because mm. it's just so, I don't know, there's something about it that just puts me in what with positive psychologists call flow. Flow is this psychological experience where you lose time and you're not exactly thinking cognitively. Mm-hmm. You're more just like in the moment. So check it out. Mindfulness, describing, noticing, non-judgmentally with your five senses. Flow, kind of the same idea, except you're not trying really. Interesting. It's like you're losing the effort. So it's like you're finding mindfulness naturally. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with creativity, a lot of people can find flow. And when you're in flow, a lot of that chronic pain is going to go down. Have you ever heard of pain gate theory? 
Yes, yes. We've talked about it in another episode. Okay, so yeah. you've talked about it in another episode. Yeah. If you haven't heard that episode, go back, check that yeah. out. And you can go ahead and explain it for us now. So yeah, so, heard that. so I'm not a I'm not wicked into this, so I might sound I describe it really simple. Okay. <laughs> you describe it for me. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. it's just the idea that like the nerves in the brain can't process pain the same way as your movement, right? As you're moving it processes it differently. We talking okay. about the same thing? It's kind of. Okay. So from my perspective or for what, from what I've learned mm-hmm. is that if you can stop struggling with your pain and be mindful, okay. you can actually lessen your experience of pain. Oh, interesting. So it's actually a pain management technique. Okay. Um, so if we're being mindful mm-hmm. and we're being mindful of something outside of the body, the pain gate theory says that you can actually lessen your pain as much as a painkiller mm-hmm. through just your mind. It's huge. Yeah. Ridiculous, right? So maybe we should just do a whole episode on that. That would be you really cool. You and I cool. could nerd yeah. out, we right. could research it. It'd be so fun. Okay, so the pain gate theory, let's combine all of these things. Mm-hmm. So you've got mindfulness, you've got flow, and you've got the pain gate theory. Put them all together. What do you've got? You've got this awesome recipe for having better days when you're having bad days. Yeah. So I like to recommend to people that they label their hardships, label it funny, like, I don't know, my monster's taking over today or I'm having a funk day, a low Mm -hmm. day. What would you call your low days, Garrett? I would call them... Hot seat, name your low days. Ooh, that's a good one. Well, I'm going to go back, and I love the name for the chronic pain in the relationship with Brian beeped out, but fuckhead. (laughs) (laughs) So my low days, I like to call them rest days, but I guess that's more in a positive. It's not getting a lot of anger out, is it? Yeah, ew. Mm. Let's name it something that, like, honors what it is. Whatever, let's be real. Like, you have shitty days. Yeah, I was just going to say a shit day. If you uh, experience day. chronic pain and you have a shitty day, mm-hmm. go ahead and call it what it is. Right. Because that's you honoring your experience. Uh, to sit there. All right, here, you want me to blow your mind really quick? Yeah. Check it out. Trying to be positive is in itself a negative experience. Whoa. Accepting that you're having a negative experience is in of itself a positive experience. So this American culture of trying to be positive is actually putting us in this constant state of judgment. You're not being positive. Your experience isn't good enough. It's not. It's judgment. Mm-hmm. Opposite of mindfulness, right? Yeah. So check it out. If we mindfully honored your shitty days, mm-hmm. we'd call them shitty days. Yeah. Otherwise, it's kind of like trying to fix something without knowing what the problem is. There you go. Dr. Gabe and I were talking, and uh, I said, how did your professional sport... He played professional basketball. I said, how did your professional sports career treat you? He said, about like like yours did. I said, oh, like a baby treats a diaper. <laughs> diaper day. <laughs> yeah. Diaper days. I'm actually really loving this. So this is what we're going to go with, and I'm carrying that into treatment with okay. you, sir. Yeah. So if you're having a diaper day like Garrett has sometimes. What I want you to do is think about ways to structure and uh, bolster those days. So if I am sick, I'm gonna take flu medicine, I'm gonna watch really crappy Netflix specials, and I'm gonna eat mac and cheese, cause it's easier on my throat and I love it and it gives me an excuse to eat crap. Literally craft crap, that's what I eat on sick days. Craft macaroni and cheese with real cow milk. It's horrible. Very unhealthy. Anyways, so check it out. If that's my sick day 
and I bolster it with things and skills and, and stuff to make me happier, why wouldn't you do that on a diaper day? So when you have a diaper day, think about things that are going to bolster you to um, – And what I mean by that is like negate your tendencies. Mm -hmm. So if your tendency is to lay in bed and go into your stinking thinking, everyone knows that thought spiraled toilet of like, this sucks. I can't do what I wanted to do. Oh my gosh, this means that I'm, I don't know, going to disappoint my new girlfriend and she's not going to want to hang out with me. I use male examples a lot in this podcast because Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in front of two males so that's probably why (laughs) I do not mean to be sexist there are plenty of women struggling with chronic pain yeah uh but if you're having this diaper day and and your tendency is to lay down it's dark in your room and you're going to go into the thought spiral then why wouldn't you in diaper days change your environment or lay in your lay in your room maybe open the blinds find something creative to do so if let's say you want to learn how to draw mm-hmm. okay make sure you have a drawing pad and pencils in your bedside table so when you have a diaper day you can bust it out it's almost like a little treat to yourself yeah. right oh i'm having a gross day i can't move my body but i can do this really cool new skill that i've been wanting to practice and i haven't had much time to do mm-hmm. In art is another area where you can find flow and mindfulness. So I guess that's my big idea for people who are really suffering and really um, having that limited mobility where they can't go out and do much Mm -hmm. is find ways to bolster and kind of strengthen the days where you're just going to feel like crap. Yeah, that's awesome. And just the positive action of buying pencils. I use the example of when I train for powerlifting competitions, we do something called the periodization program where you basically you build up and up and up and up. So you don't just say, I'm going to go bench 500 pounds. You start out benching 400 pounds 10 times and you progressively increase the weight and you decrease the repetitions, you know. So I like to look at things like that, like a cycle, like I'm building towards something. I'm, I'm setting steps to work towards it. Yeah, that's a really cool way of thinking about it. And we could even take that a step further and say, go ahead and like be a doomsday prepper. Ah. Be a doomsday prepper for your diaper days. Mm -hmm. So if you know that on days where you really feel limited mobility and you're really in pain, that you're not going very far. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Let's pack a bag full of stuff that you can do that's going to help you find creativity, help you find mindfulness, and put it in a bag right next to your bed or under your bed maybe. right. And maybe it's a diaper day bag. And maybe there's some really cool like treats and stuff in there that's mm-hmm. really special that you're not allowed to have until a diaper day. Yeah. That'd oh, that's be fun. Awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's even like these mental health books. I try to get my people to get them all the time because I think it's a really cool add-in for someone who's going through therapy. There are these like workbooks or guided journals. Oh, cool. So you're not just like staring at an empty page trying to write something poetic or yeah. like life-changing right, it's right. actually prompts <laughs> like you know what are three strengths you have yeah. or what are three things you want so something like that would be really cool for somebody especially someone who's dealing with chronic pain that's maybe not gonna go away mm-hmm. something more forever because a huge part of what you're going through is an identity shift yeah completely So journaling or putting something on paper can really help you reflect in a different way and kind of can help you get to a better place with your new identity and your new limitations. Yeah, it helps me. And I've 
was never previously a big journal guy or a note guy or a diary guy or any of that. But I found that when I put stuff down on paper, first of all, it gets it out of my head. And second, it's like it's in black and white. It's now tangible. And it just has a different meaning to me. You know, I can look at it in a different way. Absolutely. I think if more people were to like acknowledge and do you know what Taoism is? No. So there's Christianity, there's Buddhism, there's, you know, all these different religions. Mm-hmm. Well, Buddhism's more of like a way of the world. So if a guy's mm-hmm. standing at the pot of life and he tastes the pot of life and he's a Buddhist, he might say, oh, yeah, this is terrible. Life is suffering, right? Mm-hmm. Life is mm-hmm. suffering and life is joy. And then a Taoist might taste it and say, it is. Like, like mm-hmm. it is. It just is. So Taoism is all about acknowledging things for what they are um, without prescribing or ascribing some kind of a judgment to it Mm. and i find that spirituality wise it's probably the most mindful of all of the spiritual practices out there spiritual philosophies Mm -hmm. so there's wonderful book it's very very small it's three dollars on amazon it's really easy to read called the Tao of poo and Tao is actually spelled Mm t-a-o so if you like winnie the pooh it's awesome Uh. (laughs) but it's called the Tao of poo and he describes what Taoism is through the metaphor of winnie the pooh and i just think that's a really cool shift especially for people with chronic pain because it's like it's not necessarily bad Mm -hmm. it just is like is there things about it that suck totally Are there things about it that might actually bring you more joy than you would have had in the beginning? Possibly. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it just is. Yeah. And yeah, like honoring the fact that you might feel angry at it or frustrated with it at times, but not allowing that to overpower your relationship with your own body. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. And I, I love the non-judgment part. I remember when we talked about this before, you suggested the idea of uh, like a clicker. Like um, I used to use when I used to work the door at a bar, we would keep track of yes. how many people come in and we'd yeah. charge cover charge. So I, I was uh, used a notepad. I didn't have okay. a clicker. Okay. And I would just make a little hash every time I caught myself, you know. I have clickers now. I should give you one oh, yeah. to do for a oh, week. Oh, that'd be cool. Oh. So it's one of my favorite interventions where I try to catch people judging, like other people are judging themselves or whatever. For people with chronic pain it would be really cool here i'll give you therapy homework okay your therapy homework for the week all of you podcast listeners get a clicker they're on amazon's like three bucks oh cool i didn't know you could still get them yeah, that's awesome so, <laughs> rad. so you can get them in different colors garrett oh nice right yeah, black please black, black, black. black. i've yeah. got one okay. i'm gonna put it in the office and set aside <laughs> for you but you take a clicker and you just carry it around with you for a week so every time you notice yourself having judgmental thoughts about your body or your pain, mm-hmm. I want you to click it. Wow. And at the end of the day, I want you to write down in a journal what number you get to. What you're going to notice, and this is proven in the research, it's it works, people, is you'll have a spike the first two or three days because you're going to become better at becoming aware of your cognitions. Right. So you're going to become more aware. It's like when you buy a Toyota Corolla and all of a sudden you're driving down the road and you're like, there are so oh, many right. Toyota yeah. Corollas. I never realized. But anyways, so all of a sudden you're going to see all these Toyota Corollas and you're going to be really mindful of your judgmental or self-critical thoughts on your body and your pain. Then you'll see them totally take a plummet down and by the end of the week the number should be about half as much as you started with and um, typically and think about it if you're not having cognitions that are judgmental and cruel towards your own body and your own pain Mm -hmm. how much easier would it be to tolerate your pain 
Totally. So much better. Yeah. We take that frustration away from it, right? And yeah. now it just is, mm-hmm. and we can just deal with what is instead of what judgments we've ascribed to it. I call them secondary emotions, or I guess not I call it, but the world of psychology Mm -hmm. calls it. So if you and I are really angry that the coffee man didn't put the coffee ice cubes that are made out of coffee, Mm -hmm. those are great. So we're really (laughs) angry at him because he didn't use those, right? Mm -hmm. And then you feel guilty that you feel angry at him. You're experiencing anger and guilt. I'm not feeling guilty because he should have known better because I asked for him, whatever, whatever the case may be. So if I'm just feeling anger and you're feeling anger and guilt, you've got a secondary emotion. It's going to be 10 times harder for you to carry and to deal with those than it is for me because I'm just dealing with one. Yeah. So with chronic pain, a lot of times what I see is the person's dealing with the pain, which is in and of itself a cognitive experience, but also they're dealing with the frustration, the disappointment, the loss, all at the same time. Yeah. There's certainly a time and a place to manage and address the pain and loss and identity shift and everything else, but it's certainly not all at once all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because that can be really heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Exhausting. Yeah. Homework assignment accepted. Okay. Challenge on. Yeah. Just just in taking some notes, I was so much more aware of how often, and I I wasn't even working on my own judgments, how much I judge other people. Oh. So I can see where, how valuable that would be, you know, assessing my own emotions and feeling towards myself. Yeah. And even specifically just your pain. Yeah. I'd want you to do it just on your pain. Yeah. Every time you have a judgmental thought about your pain, Click it. Click your little clicker or make a little hash mark, whatever works for you. Yeah, no, I like the, the clicker. clickers. That's make cool. it way more fun. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right? I've always wanted to be a bouncer at a bar yeah. just so I could like, look so official with the clicker. I think umpires use them too, like in baseball games. They really? use them to keep track of strikes and balls and all that stuff. So. I have a pink one at my office. Wow. And usually the girly girls will get on board with the clicker the pink because one. Yeah. it's pink. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So we were just talking about something and I went off on a roll and I totally forgot, but I think it was what's happening in our mind and what kind of Mm -hmm. mind frame we're in. And I think that's such a key to overcoming chronic pain or managing it well Mm -hmm. is noticing how it's impacting the way you think and being able to make some changes there. And we could talk more about mindfulness strategies or yeah. things that might be helpful for people with chronic pain. But I love this idea that people think about it not only as a biological experience, mm-hmm. but a mental health experience as well. Absolutely. And I remember one of my first chronic pain doctors said, the amount of pain that you're in, how could it not affect you mentally and emotionally? That was like a light bulb for me. Like, yeah, oh, no kidding. But I, you know, I was so in the pain. I didn't, I didn't want to look at that. In the research I was checking out before I came over, they say 50% of people experiencing chronic pain will be diagnosed with clinical depression. Wow. Okay. 50% diagnosed with clinical depression. Clinical depression's only diagnosed if it's impacting you in some significant way in your life. So you can't go to work. You can't. So if you're thinking half of people who experience this yeah. are clinically depressed and it's impacting their life in some way, how many people are experiencing depression in general of this chronic chronic pain population that isn't clinical. Mm -hmm. So I would probably say, gosh, if I was 
going to be the, I'm going to make up facts on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I would say at least 80% of uh, people with chronic pain experience some kind of symptoms of depression. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, just right? in my interaction and the people that I've met and the people we've talked to with the podcast, totally, totally. And that's why it's so important to have you on today. I'm so glad that you're here sharing this with us. You yeah. Know? Um, you know, back to... Uh, you know, you covered finding a therapist. And one of the things I thought was really amazing is, and maybe you can talk about it a little bit, is the Gottman technique, or correct me if I said totally. that wrong. But um, just a really great form of communication. I'm mm-hmm. sure you know better than anyone from what we understand, and Beth sees it with so many of her patients, yeah. is that so many couples, when one or both of them have chronic pain, the relationships don't last. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If you think about the health of a relationship almost like a pie. So you've got, it's like three pies, really. Lots of pie. So you've got, (laughs) you know, one partner and their world, the other partner, their world, and then you have the life of the relationship and the world within it, right? Mm -hmm. So the relationship and the story between two people takes on its own life. Well, if you think of a person who's suffering from chronic pain, some of the things that's going to happen to them, they're going to isolate. Mm. Eventually, it's going to isolate them in some way, shape, or form, right? There's going to be a lack of exercise due to the lack of mobility or the pain preventing them, even if it's just cognitively preventing them from exercising in some way, shape, or form, which also impacts your health, right? Mm -hmm. Then you've got the pain or the injury itself can become a trigger to trauma. Hmm. Okay. Because you think about it, you are a different person now than before you had your injury. Definitely. And that injury became a traumatic experience for you because it changed your life dream. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've got isolation, lack of exercise, the injury or the pain is now a trigger to trauma. You've got sometimes opioid addiction gets Mm. mixed up in there just because of the way that you're managing it. Sometimes there has to be some kind of pain management medically, which leads into the rabbit hole of opioid addiction, which we know is running rampant Mm -hmm. throughout Wilmington, if not the world. There's decreased sex just because of, again, lack of mobility, pain. Um, And if you're in pain, it's really hard to get into that erotic headspace with Mm -hmm. your partner. And there's also a decrease in playing adventure. Mm Right. Totally. Um, You know that from us working with, you know, honoring when your body has had enough and you can't do more. Well, that totally takes away from the spontaneity of play and adventure, which is a huge component in a relationship. Yeah. So with all that being said, you've got a perfect recipe for disaster in relationships Mm -hmm. and relationships right now, the way that they are in this culture, in this world, with all of the struggles that we face are already in danger. Mm. So you already have a hard enough world that doesn't facilitate monogamous relationships in the first place. Now you add chronic pain to one of the partners and it's gonna impact that pie of that person, the functioning of them, and it's gonna hurt the functioning of the relationship itself. And it's going to eventually impact in a strong way the partner of the person who has the chronic pain. Uh, which I know you and Beth chatted about a little bit as well in your podcast about how the caregiver typically is running on empty and self-sacrificing and suffering a lot of the same emotional symptoms. Definitely. And I could obviously relate to everything you mentioned and, you know, the intimacy part of it, it's, it's so hard when I don't even want to be touched, let alone be intimate. And not that I don't want to, but it can be such a challenge. You oh, know? absolutely. And I, well, I th- if you think about it, there's this woman named Esther Perel. She's like one of my 
the loves of my life and my heart. You inspire me, Esther. If you're listening, <laughs> call me. We should collaborate. She's this wonderful psychotherapist. And she did this book called Mating in Captivity. And it's all about erotic experiences, especially in long-term relationships in today's day and age. Yeah. So she talks about how eroticism, not just intimacy or like emotional connection or physical affection, but the idea of becoming erotic with your partner takes this element of freedom, selfishness, and uh, play, just like cutting loose in Mm -hmm. your mind. Think about all the things that chronic pain is. You start to second guess your abilities. You are frustrated with the way that your body is or isn't, Mm -hmm. things it can and cannot do, right? The limitations that you have now that you never had before, or maybe, maybe you always had them, but the limitations in general, if that's where your headspace is and that's your relationship to your body, how can you ever get to a place of 100% freedom and 100% play with your partner? It's really challenging. Totally, yeah. So I think there's a huge breakdown in the erotic life of a partnership as well as, you know, all the other things we mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then, like, for example, what... At a very basic level, what would you suggest couples in general? I know obviously therapy is a huge thing, but maybe the people, someone that's out there now that's listening that has chronic pain or is someone that is the caregiver or in a relationship with someone with chronic pain, what would you say to them right now today? Sure. Lots of things. Yeah. You want a little tidbit? Okay, I'll give you one little nugget. Tease us. Get a therapist. (laughs) Right on. I think a therapist is like, okay, so check it out. When you go into the dentist, what does a dentist do? They take a little mirror and a little light and they shine it at the back of your teeth and they say, see that cavity right there? We should probably take care of that. Yeah, they help you clean it out, but they show you things that you didn't even know was going on with you in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Therapy is so widespread. There's so much less of a stick. They're going to help you. They're going to be your coach. And with that being said, find a therapist if you're going to go for relationships that is trained in a relationship modality. So you Mm. mentioned earlier the Gottmans. Yes, yes. So the Gottmans are a couple that are out in Seattle, Washington. And they were interested in not only relationships, but the science of relationships. So a lot of therapists, like you think Sigmund Freud, Mm -hmm. everything relates to your mother and (laughs) sex and aggression, right? Totally debunked now in the science, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of interesting that this homeboy came up with all of these awesome ideas ideas, and they kind of stuck, right? Right. All right. Well, if you look in the therapeutic world, not a lot of therapeutic modalities are evidence-based. And if they are evidence-based or proven scientifically, they're usually up against crap, like statistics. Mm. So for example, Garrett, this is Kayla's therapy here. It is proven to work. And you're like, well, why is it proven to work, Kayla? And I say, oh, because it works 30% better than nothing. Mm. And you're like, (laughs) So, I mean, to the lay person, I guess that means look for someone who's Gottman trained. Mm -hmm. Look for someone who's Imago trained. Some kind of modality that's been proven to work with couples. Gottman is really cool and effective with couples, you said earlier, because of communication skills. Yeah. One of the reasons it's so effective is it's all about arming you with the tools to fix your own marriage instead of a therapist telling you what they think. Mm. Garrett, you think I'm cool. 
but you don't care what I think all the time. You just want the tools to be more effective with the woman that you love, right? Right, right. So I think that's... You're cool, by the way. Oh, well, thanks. (laughs) I appreciate it. Sometimes you care what I think. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's like the biggest advantage of Gottman therapy itself is because Mm -hmm. it's so skills-oriented that it gives couples something tangible to hold on to, some kind of recipe. And we're such a recipe kind of culture, right? We Mm -hmm. want that structure. We want step one, do this. Step two, do this. And relationships are so not like that. Right. So for the Gottmans to have put together something that's actually proven to work, that's very step one, step two, step three, mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic for couples. Outside of therapy, my little tidbit would be for someone who's experiencing chronic pain, mindfulness, mindfulness, yes. mindfulness, yep. mindfulness. Mm-hmm. They call it a mindfulness practice because it very much is a muscle. Mm-hmm. And the more you lift, the stronger it's going to be. And if you skip out on the gym, you're going to lose that muscle mass. So the same kind of idea with mindful thinking. If you are in pain, it's almost like for the layperson, it's better to understand if you have the flu. Mm. If you have the flu, do you want to go to a party with your mother-in-law? Definitely not. Please don't go. Just don't go. Yeah. Right? That shit's going to suck. Yeah. So... Anytime we're sick or our physical functioning is impacted, we're tired, hungry, ill, whatever it might be, your cognitive capacity and your thinking is already going to be clouded Mm -hmm. by distorted thoughts. And distorted thoughts, I mean, you know, we tend to think and think all all or nothing, Mm -hmm. black or white thoughts. We tend to (laughs) throw out the positive Instead, just cherry pick of the negative experiences, like everything starts to prove our point that our partner's selfish, right? Mm. So when we're sick and we're not in a good state of mind, all we're looking for is the bad evidence. So from my perspective, people with any kind of chronic illness or any kind of pain um, in general need to be able to disconnect from those distorted thoughts and be in the moment and be present and not allow those kind of distorted thoughts to take over their mind and their experiences. So mindfulness is such a popular term right now. I think it gets thrown out all the time. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, mindfulness, light the incense and like (laughs) do the gym, right? Do yoga pose. But really, all mindfulness is, it's broken down into two things, the what and the how. What are you doing and how are you doing it? The what is I'm observing and describing. So mm-hmm. if we're looking at this water bottle that's in front of me, it's really cool, by the way. You guys it can't is see it. Very cool. uh, <laughs> but I, all I would be doing is observing it and describing it. And the how would be non-judgmentally and with my five senses. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I'm just going to start describing this bottle. It's clear, it's kind of heavy, it feels half full, it has this silicone outside, it looks like a teal color, it's got a zigzag pattern in it. If I were to say, this is a pretty color, I'm judging. Judging. Exactly. So I'm touching it, I'm trying to kind of use all of my senses, I might smell it, I might lick it if I was really brave, but I'm a germy girl, (laughs) so I'm not going to do that. Anything can be done mindfully. You can walk mindfully, you can drive mindfully, you can have a mindful conversation as you and I are having right now. In the moment, non-judgmentally, and really experiencing it with our five senses. 
So I think someone with chronic pain is easily sucked into their head. They're easily focusing on that pain. Mm -hmm. Instead of having the power and cultivating the control of being able to divert where your attention is going. And I think that's a huge skill for someone with chronic pain. Definitely, definitely. And we've referenced mindfulness before, and I think it's such a valuable tool. And I I agree, and I have to call myself out and remind myself to practice, like you said, you know, like going to the gym. And for me, the gym is a mindful experience. It's very, very much paying attention, focusing, doing the things I need to do. That's awesome. That's some really awesome information. For you being a gym rat, I would suggest that you try to do your mindfulness practice right after the gym. Oh, interesting. And just sitting in the locker room and even just, um, you know, sitting down if it's comfortable for you and putting Mm -hmm. your hands on your lap and just doing five minutes. Nice. So just setting a little timer right after your gym routine. Yeah. Uh, It's funny. People talk about yoga and shavasana being their Mm -hmm. favorite because they kind of like relax. But more than that, they've exerted all of their energy physically. So it's 10 times easier to get into a mindful state than it would be before you did the workout. So for you, just kind of a tidbit, maybe even tying in your practice into your gym routine since that's a practice you're already doing. Sure. Oh, that's a great idea. I like that. There you go. And also, I get to sit, you know, regroup, just kind of reconnect. It's huge before you go about your life. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What else do you do at Evolution Wellness? I know you have some other things going on there. We have individual counselors, so a lot of counselors there that specialize in anxiety. We actually have somebody that specializes in chronic pain. Right. Uh, We have people who work with teenagers, we have people who work with adults, and we have a ton of therapists who do Gottman counseling because that's really where my heart and soul is, is in the Gottman and the relationship counseling. Because I think not only it benefits my couples, but it benefits my individuals too, because it gives them that special skill set. So yeah, so a lot of counseling, counseling all over the place. So I'm going to ask you another question because I have the book and I haven't read it yet, but what books would you recommend or suggest to people living with chronic pain or just even relationships? For chronic pain, I recommend any kind of book that addresses and helps people get control of their own thinking. Mm. So anything on mindfulness, especially, I'm about to curse. Oh, so I if you let oh, it fly. Oh, oh, let oh, it fly. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there's this book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I was going to reference that one. That's it the one I have. So, oh, yeah. is it? Good. Yeah. Yay, I'm so glad you got that. Uh, so that's a really funny book, but it's all very much cognitive behavioral therapy. So he talks a lot about ideas that we use in cognitive behavioral therapy a lot. But it, he says it in a funny, fun way, you know, yeah. about the title, right? Right, right. It's pretty funny. <laughs> so skip the intro if you're going to listen to that. I feel like the intro is a little too cussy, even for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm from New Hampshire. Okay. So I'm not trying to curse it words. But yeah, go ahead, skip the intro. That book is really fantastic, I think, especially for people with chronic pain, because it's really about your thought distortions and it's really about honoring what's here for you now. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. Relationships for men, anything Gottman in general is amaze balls. But in specific for mm-hmm. men, there's this book called The Man's Guide to Understanding Women. Oh, cool. And it's really cool because John Gottman talks about the science, but he also talks about it in a very layman's terms, like a way that you can really connect with. I made my husband read that. I'm going to write it down. It took him a year (laughs) of me 
harassing him, <laughs> right, to read this book. He finally read it and went, wow, babe, you were totally right. Like, that was awesome. That helped me understand your crazy head. And I was like, see? I know Beth always gets me. That's it's, you know, something that she's been saying for two years and then someone else says it. She's like, I've been telling you that for two years. Why don't you listen to me? <laughs> because you're married to us. That's it, That's right? why. That's the reason. I get it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. On a little bit more personal, do you mind if I ask you, like, what got you into therapy or what intrigued you about this field? Yeah, sure. So I am an adult child of an alcoholic. Okay. I very much attribute my success, and not success as in, like, I'm doing amazing. I mean success in terms of mental health and stability very much to the therapist that I've worked with in my life. I've been with therapists since I was young, um, and I think every healthcare professional has some kind of personal story with health or struggles, right, that we overcome. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, oh, we want to pass this on. But in particular, I went into college for business. Really? And in the middle of an American government class, I stood up and went, I can't do this. (laughs) And I left the class and I changed my major because I couldn't stand it. It was horrible. True story. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, but life changing. Yeah, life changing. (laughs) So at the time I was in a psychology class just for shits and giggles Mm -hmm. and I loved it and I was reading ahead and I was like researching and I just absolutely loved it. So I think the brain is this fascinating thing and I think that it's a career that gives back to people but also helps me Mm -hmm. because I think I learn just as much from my clients as they learn from me and I think the way that I view counseling is that I'm just along for the journey. I'm walking my own path, so to speak, and my clients are walking their own paths, and sometimes our paths converge, and we can walk together and help each other, and I think it's a really rad way to help people and not hate what I do for a living every single day of my life. Oh, that's awesome, and it really shows. Beth and I feel so fortunate to find you, and I appreciate you sharing some of your personal experiences with us. To me, I mean, just, you know, knowing that it helps me to relate. I love that part of it, and I love that part about you that can relate to a lot of what you share with us. Yeah, man. We're all just walking this journey, right? Yeah. All got our demons and our barriers, and I just think that especially chronic pain, it's something that we are so powerless to. Totally, yeah. So this idea of being powerless versus honoring where we are, it's a very different way of thinking about it. If you could honor your body for what it's feeling and what it is right now, Mm -hmm. right this second, versus struggling and being frustrated and having these judgmental distorted thoughts about what you're experiencing then you're going to be better off you're going to be able to be in the moment with your wife you're going to be in the moment with you know your children your job your everything about everything that's happening around you and i think that helping people make that shift is powerful. So if you're hearing this and you take away one big message from today, it's not that you're suffering from chronic pain. It's that chronic pain is something that you face, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that you have. It's something that you're going to have to deal with. And instead of it being this monster that you're playing tug of war with in your mind constantly for the end of days and it's exhausting and by the end of the day you get home and you're cranky and you snap at people, know that that monster is not leaving your house. Mm -hmm. They're there to stay. So if you could just let go of the rope 
be with the monster, learn what he needs, offer him a drink of water, and honor that he's just there, yeah. then it can give you a lot more power over your life. Absolutely. And that acceptance part, I know for me, is huge. And it's so what we want to do with the Boat for Life podcast is give people good information that helps them to find where they're at, you know, face where they're at, be where they're at, and move forward from there. You talked about finding, basically accepting where you're at. You totally. Know? And I shared in another episode, one of the things that was so empowering for me was to hear a talk from an ex-Navy SEAL and he talked about how one of the first things they learn is to find their limitations because everybody has them. I'm like, oh yeah, even Navy SEALs have limitations. <laughs> oh yeah, like, so I'm not alone. It's just mine might be in a different place. Totally. Yeah. It's funny that you said that. This word acceptance, mm. that's another buzzword, I think, mm-hmm. that's popping up in culture, I guess. But the funny thing is, is from a psychological standpoint, from a therapy world, There's a huge difference between radical acceptance and being okay with something. Mm. To radically accept that you're living with chronic pain does not mean that you're cool with it. Right. It means this is something I'm dealing with. This isn't going away. What am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. So I like to challenge people when they use the word accept because they're like, oh, I just have to accept that, you know, my dad hurt me or I just have to accept that my husband is struggling with chronic pain or I have to accept that I can't do what I wish I could do with my body, whatever it might be. But it's not like accept it, like be cool with it because I don't think that's going to happen. And I think for people, if they think that that's what accepting means, Mm -hmm. it's going to be really hard for them to absorb that and try to live by that versus accepting as honoring it knowing that it's there it's not going away there's no point in struggling with it and what are you going to do about it yeah so i can accept it but for lack of a better word but i don't have to like it there you go (laughs) yes that's awesome i I totally agree and it's opened up a whole new world to me and i have to say too it's also helped me to find a lot more gratitude for the things i still can do yeah there's this whole idea of like we talked about finding play and finding adventure and isolating and all this stuff and i think the journey for someone with chronic pain would be to look at each one of those arenas of their life or slices of their pie Mm -hmm. and figure out how to accommodate the chronic pain but still get that slice of the pie so i think a lot of times it's easy for us to say i can't play in the backyard with my son this sucks, there goes that slice of the pie out of my life, right? Mm, right. Versus, hey, I can play, but I gotta play like doctor, Mm. and I'm his patient, he needs to come take care of me, or we can go play outside, but I've gotta lay on a blanket, and he's got to like run around me, and I can play red light, green light, and he's the one, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally, I love Finding that creative way of being with the chronic pain. Yeah, I feel like you've done a great job of challenging both Beth and I to be creative, you know, And, and in that, in and of just just the idea of thinking about that, like the other day, you know, we've been talking about trying to get a date night, and we yes. just haven't done it. You know, we haven't done it, and in a bit of a an exchange of words, <laughs> we'll call it. <laughs> I just had the idea. Well, why don't we meet at noon? That's the best time for me. And she's like, Oh, I can do that. And I'm like, Oh, and we had an awesome lunch date Freaking last awesome. week. You know, we're like, Why haven't we done this before? But. You know, I guess it's getting to that place and then just challenging ourselves. You I know. am the happy therapist hearing that. Kid. Oh, thank you. That well, is so rad. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, well, this whole idea of date night, right? I think people think it's funny. This theme is popping up in this conversation mm. that words have a different intention and meaning from 
the psychological world sometimes than how people take them. Yeah. I don't know. That was just popping up for me as we were having this conversation. But I think date night could be Mm -hmm. 15 minutes having a glass of wine on the back porch before, you know, after the kids go to bed. Mm -hmm. Or it could be, yeah, breakfast. Like the kids went off to the bus and uh, we can sit here and have breakfast in bed and that's a date. Right. So just finding that creativity and, you know, you and I have worked a lot on how to find and acknowledge the times when you're you've reached your limit yeah and you can't go on and if you go on there's going to be a conflict conversation between you and beth because you overextended yourself right okay so we think about that acknowledging your limits but then also think take it a step farther and think how can i thrive within my limits right so if i know that i'm going to be good like you just said 12 to 3 maybe i take my kid out of school at one o'clock and i take them to the beach Mm -hmm. and drop them back off at school and they ask why because i love you dude yeah we're just having a fun day like the sun's out whatever we bend the rules we bend the expectations to fit us in our Mm -hmm. lives I think too often people, especially with chronic pain, but everybody in general, tries to fit their life into the box that the world says. Work a nine to five, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can only have fun on the weekends and you got to be in bed by whatever. Get out of here. Break the rules. Let your kid play hooky (laughs) and have lunch dates instead of dinner dates. All of that sounds amazing. And it sounds like it's better for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that we feel challenged when we come to you, you know, whether we have homework or not, you know, we always try to make time to go downstairs and, you know, have a coffee or have a protein bar or whatever we do, you know, afterwards. Oh, man, so much good stuff. Is there anything else that you want to add in that you'd like to talk about? No, this conversation went in a different direction than I thought it would, but this was a Mm -hmm. lot of fun. Yeah. Can I do a little shout out? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Little shout out to everyone listening. It would really bring a lot of gratitude and a lot of help for a local business. If you could check us out on Facebook, our handle is Evolution Wellness Wilmington. And on Instagram, we're Evolution underscore wellness. Any likes or follows or comments you could leave us would be much appreciated. And Gary, I'm really glad you had me today. This was so much fun. Kayla, thank you so much. It's so great great. having you on. It's so much great information. I really appreciate it. I hope it helps some people out there. I do too. Thanks again. Hope to have you back. We appreciate you listening to Bolt for Life. Our goal is to help you or anyone that you might know to live and thrive with chronic pain. And you can help us out by subscribing or giving us a review on iTunes or anywhere else that you hear Bolt for Life. Man, that was such a great interview with Kayla Riley, licensed therapist, and she was awesome. And, you know, Kayla's not exactly what I picture a therapist as being, and it just goes to prove that there's a lot of different therapists out there. You know, she gave us some great ideas about how to find somebody that might work best for you. Kayla Riley, you are Bolt for Life. In future episodes, we'll be talking to chronic pain professionals and plenty of other inspiring guests to help you on your journey in chronic pain. If you guys have any ideas, you know, this isn't just about me. This is about all of us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Bolt for Life. Thanks again. This is Garrett Bolt for Bolt for Life.